to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Jason Shepard. What's up, Cougar fans? It's been a couple strong second-half performances for the BYU basketball team, given the Cougars two wins since we were with you last Saturday. Welcome in. My name is Jason Shepard, and joining me this week as we continue with our BYU Sports Family co-hosts, joining me now is, look, y- y- you know him, you love him, you think he's probably cute. <laughs> he is Spencer Linton, and he's joining me here on the Cougar Tailgate. Hi, Spencer. Hello. I was trying hard not to make any sound until you brought up the word <laughs> cute, and then I lost it, Jason. Be honest. The ladies think you're cute. <laughs> the, the older ladies, uh, Jason. You know, I too, not from a cuteness standpoint, I also do well with the grandmas. Yeah. They, I get a lot of compliments from the grandmas. Key, key demographic for BYU Sports Nation. Uh, in fact, I was at uh, Shirley's Bakery in Provo, Utah, <laughs> yesterday picking up some lunch yesterday and ran into two uh, lovely ladies who said, uh, yeah, we, we watch every morning and uh, we just oh, we just think you're so cute. <laughs> Like, oh, man. I don't know if I have told you this, but um, it doesn't happen with Jerem. Jerem and I, and quite frankly, I don't think you and I look alike. But Jerem and I certainly don't look alike, so I don't get this as much. But I get called Spencer quite uh-huh. a bit. Yeah. So. I take that as a compliment, Jason. <laughs> Because your doppelganger is Matt Damon. It is true. And that's not coming from me. That's coming from other people. I know it sounds very egotistical when I say that. It's not coming from me. On two separate occasions on the same day. And they were both older ladies. Mm-hmm. I just realized that. Yep. It's, it's, all, it's all tying together like a good Seinfeld episode. They said, you know what? You look like Matt Damon. You are Jason Bourne Shepherd. I like it. I like it. Played by Matt Damon. So uh, we've had you on the show as a guest multiple times. You've joined us on the road. Houston, I know you joined us on the road at Houston. What was the other game? Boise. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the beautiful Metroplex of Boise. Mm-hmm. It uh, was a beautiful game, I'll tell you that, yes, Jason. It, yes, it was a beautiful football season. Oh. Minus one yard. Uh, it could have been an even better season. Uh, but what, now you're here as a co-host. So first and foremost, thank you for doing this. We had we had our boss, Junior, uh Week one, and and we're having the the uh, the guest co-host because Lauren McLean is still on her maternity leave, yeah. and so uh, Lauren actually is going to be back next week. Awesome! Shout out to Lauren. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Lauren and the expanding McLean family. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's so. So we had Junior th- two weeks ago. Last week was Ben, and now now it's you. You get to be the co-host. It's a rotating lineup, and it's always nice to be. In the BYU radio studios, because what many people don't remember is when BYU Sports Nation launched in September of 2013, and we're approaching 2,000 episodes, which is <laughs> wild, wild. It in is that pretty regard. crazy. You, I mean, Jason, you've been with us for a while in that stable. Uh, it's you're very much part of those 2,000 episodes, um, especially with Jerem taking more vacation time. Uh, <laughs> That topic for another day. But uh, we launched in the radio studios in Studio 2, and it was kind of a beta test just to see how it would work. And um, so it always feels like, you know, home. What was your, I want to say expectation, what did you envision that show being? Because I can't imagine you envisioned it being what it has turned into. No, it, it has evolved and continues to evolve based on uh, what people consume, how they consume it. Um, 
and uh, the directions of social media. But I think initially the uh, origination and, and the original idea came from Michael Miner, who was at ESPN, uh, for six years as a coordinating producer of Sports Center, he came back to BYU, had his BYU roots, and said, "You know, BYU sports needs like a morning show. BYU needs like a Mike and Mike type show in the morning." And so I think that was kind of the initial idea I right. had was I watched Mike Greenberg and Mike Golick and thought, "Okay, that's that's what this is going to be." But it has evolved into snippets of several different types of shows. I mean, there's a little bit of Jimmy Fallon in it. There's some pardon the interruption in it. There's some around the horn in it. There's interviews, social media, and of course, some Mike and Mike headlines and conversation that way, humor, comedy. And when you're on the show, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot of pop culture when you and I do culture. shows together. Movies, music. We love the 80s and the 90s. So it, it's, it's, evolved, it's like this hodgepodge of all of our favorite shows right. with a little bit of elements thrown into that. And so it's, uh, it's been fun to watch. It started out as Mike and Mike and very quickly became something unique. And uh, in and of itself. Well, and despite the pandemic and all of the uncertainty that has gone along with that, you know, we we mentioned how good the football season was. The basketball season is uh, certainly trending in that direction as well. They're making their case. Absolutely. BYU back on Thursday night uh, had a little bit of a slow start against Portland. Portland... Just a horrible three-point shooting team, yet in the first nine minutes had hit five threes. Uh, BYU obviously settled down and, and really dominated in that second half. But man, what Coach Pope and his coaching staff are doing. Uh, BYU now 12-3 and three overall, 3-1 three and one in conference play, and really playing good basketball right now. You know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about how I would define BYU basketball this season, and... Um, uh, they are a mystery to me, Jason. Although there are some things that they have done consistently. And one is something you just pointed out, not just in the Portland game, but over several games. They're a second-half team. Yeah. Okay? So BYU is playing like a second-half team, which is not a bad thing, especially in clutch. They're a clutch team. And uh, I talked with Greg Rubel earlier this morning, and he said, you know, I, I would define the identity of this team as toughness, uh, especially – with their ability to, even when they're not shooting the ball well, play defense, be tough, and just find a way to win games. But 12-3, and three, I mean, they're number 29 in the net rankings. Uh, the metrics are all really good. They're in, in the bracket on CBS, on ESPN, Joe Lenardi's bracketology is a 10 seed. Jason, they're favored in their next 11 games. I know. And if they win those next 11 games then they're, they're going to be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament, maybe a six or a seven. Well, and we talked about last year. We know how good last year's team was, and the disappointment, not just for BYU, certainly for all of the collegiate sports that didn't get an opportunity to play a postseason, but BYU was, was trending very well going into the NCAA tournament. They were going to be a, a, a very tough out in the NCAA tournament, and they never had an opportunity to do that, and they lost so much production, so many go-to guys. And so to think, you know, not six, seven months later, we're talking about a team that for all intents and purposes is is putting up roughly the same production, is a game better than last year's team, and is right back in that same situation if they continue to play like this. It's remarkable. Yes, it. Uh, I don't think... Anybody anticipated 
BYU's metrics being better at this point of the season right. compared to last year. Though BYU did play the first nine games without Yoli Childs last year, and they got that big, unforgettable win that you called at Houston with oh, Mark yeah. Durant, and that kind of launched BYU in this uh, astronomical direction where they're just they just were doing everything right, uh, and that kind of felt like the turning point. But um, yeah, I, I I didn't anticipate that they would have better metrics than last year's team at this point, for sure. And and the craziest thing is it can be somebody different for BYU every night. The one consistent player, I think we all agree on this, is Alex Barcelo. Against Portland, he had 10 points, career-high 8 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, just, you know, kind of flirting with that triple-double line. He's going to be consistent every night, but he doesn't have to score 20 points a game for BYU to win. We kind of thought that was going to be the case early on. Like, oh, if he doesn't score 20, BYU's going to be in big trouble. Well, and he he's he picks his spots, too. I, I think he could score more than what he is. Smart. But he's he picks his spots, and if they need him to be the assist guy, that's what he does. Like, you if you need, they need him to rebound at the guard spot, he can do that. And then if you need him to score, we certainly know based off of the percentage he's shooting, he can do that. Yes. He does what Mark Pope preaches, which is pacing and spacing. And he and make the extra pass. Pace, space, extra pass. Extra and, pass doesn't rhyme with the other two, though. And it's it. Well, that's why it's the third one, Jason. Okay, all right. Okay, it gets okay, in third there. It's fine. That's what Mark Pope preaches in practice, and Alex Barcelo is the definition of that mentality as as a leader. So, really like him as the you know the staple of the team, but it could be Caleb Loner for going off one night. It was Matt Harms, 23 points, 9 of 9 from the field. We haven't seen him do that. It could be Spencer Johnson one night. It could be Trevin Nell making a bunch of three-pointers. Connor Harding is starting to kind of emerge after he kind of got lost down the bench a little bit. Richard Harward is a guy that can go off. So I think the mystery is who's going to be the guy that is joining Alex Barcelo um, and, and leading BYU in scoring. It, so it's it's fun, but it's also a little unsettling going into every game. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Well, and the BYU's next game is tonight uh, at Pepperdine. Uh, or excuse me, versus Pepperdine. No, do not go to Pepperdine. The game is here at the Marriott Center. Yeah, they'll yes. play at Pepperdine next yes, week. Yes, next week is the game at Pepperdine. But uh, yeah, you, you've got the Waves in town tonight. And look, I want to go back to talk about Matt Harms. You mentioned the 23 points, 9 of 9. 1 of 1 from 3. Finally got one of the 3s to go He's down. 3 for 23 on the season, which I have is 13%, Jason. Yeah, like it's, look, it's not the, the stretching the defense with the bigs in terms of the perimeter shooting has not been what we thought. But what we're getting out of the bigs, especially Matt Harms and Richard Harward down low and Colby Lee, is obviously, I mean, just that group is something BYU has not had in a very, very long time. And if you can just get half of the production from Matt Harms that you got the other night every game, good luck beating BYU. Yeah, yeah. That, again, that just goes to what we're talking about. They're, they play 10 guys consistently, and any one of them is capable of having a quote-unquote big game. You, you just don't know who it's going to be. So, uh, again, there's a, there's a little bit of uncertainty going into every contest, but uh, BYU, because they do run 10 deep, uh, they're a tough matchup for pretty much every team in the West Coast Conference outside of Gonzaga. What Percentage-wise... You mentioned BYU's favored in their next eleven. They, you know, they have a chance to maybe go on a fourteen-game win streak. Uh, <laughs> what percentage? How likely do you think that is? That that is tough for anybody. Yes, typically, 
Only, only Gonzaga does that, right? Only Gonzaga <laughs> right. goes on a 14-game conference win streak. BYU hasn't done it yet. I know they finished thirteen and three in league play last year, but I mean a fourteen game win streak would eclipse that, Jason. Right, absolutely. Good gravy with the bookends against Gonzaga, you win every game in between. That would be unbelievable. Um, as far as the percentage chance goes, there's basketball is just so. There are so many nuances to the game, and it's so fickle at times, Jason, with referees, and you don't know what kind of calls you're going to get, and the three point shooting is not happening. You know, to BYU's credit, they've been good even when they didn't shoot the three well. But what if you get big guys in foul trouble and the three's not going in? Like, there's going to be a weird game or two somewhere. Can BYU win those games? Um, and in the Mark Pope era, they haven't lost a bad game. No quad three. No and no quad, back-to-back losses still. No quadrant four losses. No back-to-back losses. So I'd say probably like a 40% chance. And I think that's high to win 14 games in a row. They've won three in a row right now. But... The reason I have it so high is they've already gone through the toughest stretch that they're going to face all year in the West Coast Conference. They opened conference play on the road at Gonzaga, at St. Mary's, at San Francisco. The three best teams all on the road and won two of them. It went two and one. So why wouldn't I think they've got a legitimate shot to win the rest until they host Gonzaga? So I say 40% chance. All right. Up next is the matchup tonight against the Waves of Pepperdine. We will talk with their play-by-play man, Al Epstein. When we come back, we'll preview the game, and uh, Al plays a unique instrument. We will talk about mm-hmm. that when we come back. Oh, you're going to want to stay for oh, this, I it, promise. It opened for Letterman, people. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's a great tease. Alright, we'll uh, we'll talk with Al when we come back. This is the Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard. Happy to be joined by my guy, my friend, and my pal. He is Spencer Linton. And look, Spencer, there's certainly been a lot less travel for us and for sports teams in general this past year than normal. But I can think of worse places to be quarantined than the sunny beaches and great weather of Malibu, California. Uh, Al Epstein covers the waves for Pepperdine, and he has been covering them for a long time. If, if anybody's going to know about the Pepperdine waves, it's going to be Al. He joins us on the phone today to talk about the Sun, the Surf, and the Pepperdine Waves basketball team. Al, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Jason and Spencer. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, and as you talk about the, the great sunshine and great weather in Southern California, they're expecting a, a pretty good rainstorm over the next couple of days. So that will change things just a bit. But uh, probably considering that in Provo it's a little bit colder, uh, it's probably fairly nice here in Southern California. So, so Al, now we will certainly get into basketball talk. But one of the best parts about the show is it allows us to talk about some other things that maybe wouldn't be brought up on normal sports interviews. And I I have to go to this immediately because I'm fascinated by this. Uh, When you were inducted into the uh, the Hall of Fame uh, back in, I think it was 2015, correct? The Pepperdine Hall of Fame? So I I read the the press release and, and some of your achievements and then at the very end, it says he was a member of the famed Temple City Kazoo Orchestra. Whoa. Please tell me about this. 
Well, that, that is uh, uh, correct. It was a, a comedy satirical group uh, that we performed back in the, way back in the 1980s. Um, there were six of us who were on a number of TV shows. We put at the, the comedy store. We did all kinds of impressions. I used to do a, an Elvis Presley, uh, an Ed Sullivan, for those who might remember, uh, amongst other things. And we did all these songs on kazoos. If anybody knows what a kazoo is, it's kind of a small instrument that you kind of blow into, and it's kind a vibrating sound. It, it's not real uh, appealing to anybody, but it's it's kind of fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, we did songs from Led Zeppelin, and there was choreography, <laughs> and we used to wear uh, tuxedos with the Temple City Kazoo Orchestra on the back of it, and play at the Comedy Store, Comedy Magic Club, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I actually thought my future might have been in, the, in show business, uh, but it didn't turn out that way. So, But uh, it was a lot of fun, and um, you know, we look back at it, and, and all the members are still around, and we still reminisce every now and then. Al, there's only one road trip I want to make every year, and it clearly is the one to Malibu. But now it's even better, and I want to bring my own kazoo. Can we do a duet if I come to <laughs> Malibu next time and uh, work something out that way? Well, as long as you bring guitars and drums and, uh, and everything else with it. It's not a great sound, let me tell you something, but it is somewhat comical. We used to even used to play the Star Spangled Banner, uh, the national anthem, before uh, when we opened up the, the show. So, But we opened up for David Letterman, uh, amongst others, uh, over the years. So that that uh, to, to bring that up kind of brings back memories uh, to me. So I appreciate you talking about that. Well, you, look, and in, in your intro, I, I mentioned if there's anybody that's going to know about all things Pepperdine, it's going to be you. Uh, you have been there for, what, 35-plus years? and well, 36 after this year. So yeah, so 30, 36 years. In your time at Pepperdine, and it's, it's not just basketball, it's other sports too, what are some of the, the memorable moments for you that really stand out? Well, I think when you look to, to basketball, the, the NCAA tournament uh, that they played in uh, back in the early 2000s certainly stand out. Uh, they've had a number of great games over the years. Whether it's basketball, uh, I was able to do some soccer over the last couple of years. And, of course, men's volleyball is very big at Brigham Young as it is at Pepperdine. And so those are some of the great moments you just kind of remember. But, you know, no one specific. Uh, you do so many events over the years. I think I'm by my 1,000th and 80th consecutive a basketball, men's basketball game dating back to the mid-1980s, which is a, a little bit scary. I keep asking myself, how did I get here? But uh, but it's been good. Uh, but uh, just, you know, just showing up. I, you know, anytime I, I do a game, uh, I always uh, arrive like it's the very first time. I You know, I have the same excitement, the same energy, uh, the enthusiasm, the drama, the bright lights, the bands, the cheerleaders. It's all there. Obviously, this year is is quite different, but when you can have that type of excitement going to, uh, I guess, the job or work, uh, you have to feel uh, very fortunate. An incredible run, over 1,000 consecutive basketball games. How many head coaches has Pepperdine had in that time, Al? Yeah, well, we've had quite a few. You know, we, we started with uh, with Jim Herrick, uh, then went to Tom Asbury, and there was, of course, Paul Westfall, recently passed away, and, and Jan Van Bredikoff, and, uh, and Vance Wahlberg, Tony Fuller, Marty Wilson, and now, of course, Lorenzo Romar, his second time around. So there's uh, there's been quite a, a few coaches over the years, and, you know, every one of them has always been great. It's been a lot of fun with them. You know, Al, we mentioned uh, at the beginning of the interview, you know, better places or worse places you can think of to be quarantined than Malibu, but, you know, obviously 
this is this is real for everybody, and it has been now for almost a year. And every team, every sports program is dealing with things just being different because of COVID nineteen. Um, how has Pepperdine handled? This situation and having games postponed and things like that. How has the team overall handled that? Well, I think uh, you have to give a lot of credit to the administration um, and to the coaches. I think nowadays you almost have to expect that you literally take it uh, day by day, even hour by hour, and game by game, and and handling all this and preparations and the realization that a game could be postponed or canceled uh, at any given moment. I mean, the Lays went back to Las Vegas. back in mid-December and literally three or four hours, and they drove on a bus and three or four hours before game time, the game was canceled. So they had to hop back on a bus and come back. So I think like most schools, everybody's just got to handle it in their own best way that they see fit. And for the most part, I think Pepperdine's done a pretty good job. You know, we're working with uh, youngsters and, uh, you know, 18, 19-year-olds, and it's really tough to try to confine them and put them in a, in a bubble for so many you know, so many days and weeks and months. So it, it's a, it's a t- it's a challenge to say the least. But I think overall, most of the schools, especially in the West Coast Conference, have done a great job. Al Epstein covers the waves of Pepperdine. He's been doing for so for thirty six years. He's with us on Cougar Tailgate. Uh, Al, I want to talk about Coach Romar, and you just went through the list and, and mentioned all those guys have been great. Lorenzo Romar. Uh, is a name that carries some prestige. He had great success at Washington. Uh, he took over for Marty Wilson, who had uh, you know a nice run in the West Coast Conference there for a few seasons as well. What makes Coach Romar different than uh, maybe some of the other coaches that Pepperdine has had? Well, he's uh, he's an extremely responsible, uh, dedicated, committed coach. Uh, one of the hardest working coaches I've seen at Pepperdine. I I once asked him, "How do you you know take a break, uh, get away from it all, just uh, because it is such a high pressure job?" And he said, "Oh, I I just watch video, watch players and and teams. So he's twenty four seven. He's extremely conscientious. He's uh, very respectful. He's he's humble." Uh, you know, and he's just uh, he's a delight to work with uh, over the years. And not to mention, he's he's a terrific coach from an X and O standpoint, as well as recruiting. And so you have to admire that. And you know, he's 24th year as a head coach. Uh, you know, when he was at Pepperdine from 1996 through 1999, this yeah. first time around, uh, his top assistant was Randy Bennett. And, of course, the outstanding coach at St. Mary's. So uh, he's picked some great uh, assistants over the years. And uh, But, he, you know, he's all about his players and all about his assistant coaches. That's number one. But uh, I can't uh, say enough good things about Coach Romar. Well, both teams coming in playing good basketball. BYU now 3-1 and one in conference play, winners of three in a row. Pepperdine. Winners of two in a row, two and one in the conference. And obviously, as, as I'm preparing for this game tonight, you know, you look at what the Waves have and Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards, those are obviously the two that really stand out. What do you make of this matchup tonight against BYU, who uh, is playing some really good basketball right now? Well, I think both teams uh, are, are playing very well. Pepperdine, uh, you look at the record at six and six, and uh, it's a little misleading. This is the better team in the record shows, and they were very impressive uh, the other night against uh, Pacific and also Portland uh, a week ago. But uh, I think both teams are extremely deep and versatile, and both teams want to get out and run. Uh, I look for this game to be in the high 70s, low 80s, and it just might come down to who does a better job shooting the three, uh, three-point three attempts and then making the threes during the course of this game. And, and both teams average about eight or so a game. So uh, I look for a really high-scoring offensive game. And, you know, 
Cody Ross's role has changed a little bit over the last uh, three games in conference. He hasn't had double figures in points over the last three games. In fact, against Portland, he's held to four points. But the difference is he's making everybody else better around him, and he has more players who can score than they've had in the past. So his role has changed. He doesn't have to be the scorer he has been over the last uh, you know, couple years. And teams double-team him all the time. But they're going to have to get away from that because there are other players who can step up and score. It's really Kessler Edwards is one of those. Al, I know that the fans are not exactly able to attend games. They're certainly involved by watching broadcasts and listening to you and, and the other radio commentators. But I'm just hoping for one thing on, on the TV production side from Firestone Fieldhouse, and that, that is that Willie the Wave is cleared so that he can show up. He's one of the more memorable mascots in all of college sports. What's the story behind Willie the Wave and his wave hair? Well, you know, he's... To see a big uh, blue wave uh, run around uh, the arena, and although I don't think we've even seen him over the last uh, couple of games, so I'm not sure if he's even allowed into the building. Uh, you know, the band, the cheerleaders, also uh, cannot come in. It's quite restrictive, uh, but uh, he, he's a great character. I think uh, he's been there for probably close to ten years, uh, and he's so an iconic um, uh, mascot that I think everybody relates to. And and certainly uh, the, the waves are different. It, you know, it's a one of a kind location that overlooks the Pacific Ocean, which is kind of nice. But uh, uh, he's a character. They use him in a lot of commercials, and he's been seen, I think, on ESPN type commercials. So yeah, he's he's pretty special. He is Al Epstein. He is the voice of the Pepperdine Waves. He's been doing this for the end of the year. He said 36 years. Uh, Al, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. By the way, the last time you picked up a kazoo was when? (laughs) (laughs) Well, believe it or not, I actually still have uh, the tuxedo. I probably have some of the kazoos uh, in my drawer somewhere, but I have not picked one up. It's kind of irritating on my ears, so I really don't want to hear it for a while, but we actually had a couple of albums on top of everything else that weren't exactly best sellers, but they were a lot of fun. But uh, but I may after this interview I may go back and take a look and, and blow on it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I know what I'm googling after this yes. interview, Al, and YouTubing for that matter. <laughs> like it rekindles the magic of the kazoo. That's what we're looking to do here, Al. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it, and have a good call tonight. All right, Jason Spencer. Thanks again. Uh, it should be a great game but tonight. Yeah, absolutely. That's Al Epstein. He's the play-by-play man for the Pepperdine Waves. Appreciate him taking a few minutes. And uh, it's funny, Spencer. Like I love doing the the, the research on on some of these guests and finding those little nuggets like that. And the thing that made me laugh the most, kazoo. It's not one of those words you see a lot in print. So as I'm reading, I'm like, that's K-A-Z-O-O. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen kazoo written out before. And the closest thing to that is Kalamazoo, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. That's what comes to mind. That dude is the epitome of a gentleman. I I really enjoy Alan and the interactions I've had with him uh, since we've been covering BYU Sports, and they've been in the West Coast Conference with Pepperdine. Yeah, and to think that, uh, you know, almost 40 years, going into the end of the year, will be his 36th season at Malibu. Man alive, that's uh, that's amazing. Eight head basketball coaches? (laughs) Eight. Yeah. What, so have you have you enjoyed like obviously we, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show we've had you on as a guest on the show uh, and you and I do shows all the time on BYU Sports Nation and in other places uh, what did you, what did you think of, of of co-hosting Cougar Tailgate today I've missed just the comfort and the familiarity of an only radio studio 
because no cameras to look no, at. Nothing. It's just yeah. I feel like I want to be. I mean, you're wearing a hat. I want to be wearing a hat. I'm not wearing a hat right now. I should have brought a hat in. <laughs> Nobody cares what you're wearing as long as you sound good. And I miss that, Jason. I miss it. Well, you've ruined it because now everybody knows I'm wearing a hat. And in the theater of the mind, I wasn't wearing a hat to everybody. My apologies. My apologies. <laughs> Spencer, thank you so much. Appreciate it. As always, that's going to do it for the Cougar Tailgate. Thanks to uh, our guest, Al Epstein, and the aforementioned Spencer Linton of BYU Sports Nation. You can join the Cougar Tailgate, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time. Or you can download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or BYURadio.org. Get ready for the Waves tonight and the BYU Cougars. And then, hey, you know what? How about we turn around and do it again Double on dip. Wednesday? Go Cougs. There we go. This is the Cougar Tailgate. And as Spencer said, go Cougs. Go Cougs.